Good morning. How is everybody? You're looking good. Looking really, really good. Well, the story of what Ricky Hoyt's father did for him was remarkable, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It's wonderful. And it's an example of what the passionate love and a commitment of a father is towards his son. But I want to tell you right now as we begin this morning that God's love for you is much, much, much greater than the example that we saw up here. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, it's Palm Sunday. How many of you knew that? Of course you knew that, right? Right, Palm Sunday. So welcome to Palm Sunday. And you know, an interesting thing is in a lot of churches, they even bring palms and they wave them around. And, uh, and I'm really sorry that we didn't bring palms. Wait, we did. Oh my, oh my goodness. We all have palms. And what I want you to do is hold them up like this so I can see them. Everybody, because I'm going to get a picture for Pastor Steve. And I'm, I'm going to show him how everyone behaves when he's not here. Okay, that's going to be interesting. You're going to say, what did you do? And, and we'll, we'll find out. Okay. So anyway, it's Palm Sunday. Thanks again for being here. Uh, this is also called uh, Passion Sunday, in case you, you didn't know that. And that was a very passionate thing that we saw. And I will tell you, there's a little bit more clip to that, and we're going to show it at the very end. So I'm going to try to rush through. Pastor Steve called me yesterday, and he was sick, and so I'm a last-minute replacement. So if I look a little disorganized, please forgive me. Pray for me, all right? Um, John 12:13 says, They took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning with much thanksgiving as we celebrate Palm Sunday. It's the day we commemorate your entry into Jerusalem on a mission to pay for our sins and to give us eternal life. And for everything else it means according to its matchless value. You knew the anguish awaiting you and you still proceeded so that your father's will would be fulfilled. And your love and your obedience saved us. And now we are the children of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hosanna. Hosanna. Glory to the name of the Lord. Amen. Well, I heard a story about that donkey that carried Jesus down that path, you know, and here he was. He was coming down and he had Jesus on his back and he's coming down the path and they're going, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're, they're throwing these prongs, whatever you call them, you know, down there. What is that? That's it. They're throwing them down in front. And they're throwing their coats and all that. And he, this donkey, he looks up and his ears up and they go, wow, everybody's glad to see me. <laughs> I think he missed the point. Wouldn't you say that? Well, anyway, a lot of people missed the point. Honestly, we, we have Easter coming up next week. 
And a lot of people don't know what Easter is all about. They don't know what Palm Sunday is about. I mean, most people don't. Why is that? Well, we have the Easter bunny and eggs and stuff. And I'm not trying to attack them. It's fun to do stuff with children. But you will have to admit it's a distraction, just like Santa Claus is a distraction for Jesus' birth. Do you think that maybe the enemy's trying to distract us from the real issue? Well, that seems to be happen. I mean, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade, but I'm just trying to say we need to be thinking about such thing. Okay, the entry into Jerusalem is documented in four Gospels, all four Gospels, uh, with slight variations and, um, in each account. And, and you might say, well, you know, I don't like variations, but when you think about it, there's always variations when people, a bunch of people see things and they report, you know, if there's an accident, you know, and they ask people to report, they'll all be a little different because people see different things and remember different things. And that's why I would suggest you go back and read the entire accounts and all of the Gospels so you get the complete pictures. But what we do find from all of them is he is coming back to save the lost. Um, he is coming as the sacrificial lamb to atone for our sins. And uh, in Luke's account, we see him weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, demonstrating his sorrow for its coming destruction. He was sad about that. As well as for those who rejected him. Can you imagine rejecting Jesus? Well, it's easy from our perspective, you know, to look at the scripture and everything we know. But this was all new to all of them. And they didn't know what was going on. That's why when Jesus died on the cross and he saw what they had done, he looked out, out over the crowd with compassion. And he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. See, that's still the story today. In a lot of ways, people don't really know. Well, now we have the triumphal entry, which this is basically what Palm Sunday is about. And uh, we can look in Matthew 21, 4 through 11, which is the account you can turn there. And, you know, Pastor Steve, he always tells people how to find the book. You know, he'll say, start from the back, go here and stuff. So I don't want to disappoint him in this. So anyway, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you want to find it, open your Bible in the middle and head to the right and you'll find Matthew. It's the first book. And so you go down to, uh, once you found it, you go down to verse Um, chapter 21, and then 4 through 11. And then it says this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken in the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. 
Well, it was kind of interesting. Dale got up and he read a couple of passages and he said, do you need to know what these are? And I says, no, I'll just expect the Lord, you know, to sh- you know that we co- kind of have coordinated things in advance. So, but anyway, this is one of the passages he read. So it just shows you who's in charge here, you know. But anyway, Matthew 21 verses 15 and 16 says, but wait a minute. Do you think that all the chief priests and all the religious leaders were glad when Jesus did this? No, no, they weren't. We already saw that because you heard what he said. But anyway, but when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never heard out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? uh, You have prepared praise. And yes, what Jesus was about to do deserved a lot of praise. Agree? It deserved a lot of praise because he was about to pay the highest price ever paid in history, ever before, not during, or since. I'll talk a little bit more about that. But we can look at some verses that kind of corroborate this. It says, Hebrews 13, 15, for instance, says, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. And then we look over at Revelation uh, 4, verse 11. It says, Worthy are you, O Lord and God. To receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Are you getting the theme here? And then Revelation 5.12, in case that wasn't enough, says this. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen? Amen. Amen. When we celebrate Jesus, we are actually uh, celebrating God's incredible act of love. Did you know that when we look at Jesus on the cross, you know, like I was kind of grew up in the Catholic church, you know, and we always show Jesus on the cross. Well, he's not on the cross. He left the cross. But anyway, when, when, um, when you look at Jesus on the cross... Who put him there? Who, who put Jesus on the cross? Yeah, Jesus put himself on the cross. You know why I know that? Because he says in the word, he says, no one has the power to, to, to take my life. He says, I have the power to lay it down and, and, uh, and to take it back again. In fact, when he was sharing with his apostles that he was going to go and what was going to happen to him, you know what happened? Peter stood up and he said, God forbid that this would happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get ye behind me, Satan. Can you believe that? Jesus went to the cross and he was nailed there by himself in an act of love. It was love that held Jesus to the cross. Love for you. He looked ahead and he saw what it was going to do and what it was going to bring. You see, sin had come into the world and actually captured his children and destroyed everything. And what would it cost? Jesus' own blood to pay for that kind of sin. That's what it took. And guess what? Jesus willingly gave it. 
John 3.16 says it so plainly. The most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever that you and me shall what believe upon him should not perish but shall have eternal life. That's what held Jesus to the cross. It was his mission of love and rescue. It was his rescue mission to rescue us. Because we had no other hope. There was nothing good enough. I heard a story. I don't know if it was true, but supposedly it was. And I'm going to read it to you right now. It was about a rich young man in a far eastern country who was making arrangements with a young maiden's father to marry her. And marriages in that country were always arranged and based solely upon the prospective groom's ability to pay the required dowry. Now, a dowry is what you pay for the woman. You go, oh, what a horrible thing, paying for a woman. But this is what they did. Hey, wait a minute. Does it sound familiar? Who, who giveth this woman? Ooh, wait, it's the father. All right. So marriages were... Pay, were, were de- depending upon the dowry, the price paid for, the dowry was usually paid in this land in camels. Sorry, ladies. In camels. An average maiden would usually be valued at two camels. The men, you're looking around. Okay. Two camels. Okay. An above average one would be two or three camels. An above average one would be, well, let's see, an exceptional one could be as much as four camels tops. Four camels. Four camels. But a four camel maiden would have to be exceptionally beautiful and would have to to possess many other valuable qualities and skills and attributes to be ever be worth that much. The young man, <clears throat> now he pulled himself to meet with the father, pulled himself together, and the young man said to the father, I offer you nine camels for your daughter. Nine camels, the father thought. That amount was unheard of. Nine camels. No one had ever paid more than four camels as far as they knew. Nine camels. And this man was offering to pay that. Nine camels for his daughter. Took his breath away. He was astounded. The father immediately accepted the offer and was thrilled to receive such a high dowry for his daughter. And then he set out to publicly announce the upcoming marriage along with the amount that was paid for her. Nine camels. Wow. Well, of course, the story spread everywhere. Imagine. It went far and wide. And people, everybody asked, who is this remarkable woman who is worth so much. Nine camels. She must be exceptionally beautiful. She must be an extraordinary woman. 
in every possible way, far above any other. Everything, of course, changed for this young woman. Everything. The father said, father took a second look at her. (laughs) I missed something. I must have failed to notice how beautiful and wonderful and exceptional and lovely and valuable my daughter is. But not anymore, he said. Not anymore. From now on, she will be treated as royalty in my home. She will sit at my right hand, the best place at my table. She will be served first. She will be given the best food. She will be given the finest clothes and the garments. All her needs and wishes will be taken care of instantly by my servants. And of course, everybody in the village began to treat her differently too. When she would arrive, people would say, here comes that beautiful nine camel woman. (laughs) And they would look at her and admire her from every direction. Instantly, she had become valuable. Instantly. Here's the thing. The maiden was exactly the same person as before. Yet everything had changed for her. In an instant, she had became valuable. Get where I'm going with this story? It was because of the price that was paid for her. Nothing else. The price that paid for her. You look at the paintings that are going for millions of dollars. A lot of these painters, while they painted the paintings, were in poverty. They were very poor. Same painting. Now it's going for millions. Why are they worth millions? It's what because of what people are willing to pay for them makes them valuable. Nothing else. They're just a painting. And there are many lessons that we can learn from this little simple story, all of which can be applied in various ways, if you think about it. It can be applied to your spouse to your children, and even to your friends and employees if you own a business. What are they worth to you? Do do you reflect that worth to others? It does make a huge difference, don't you think? Now we're back to the greatest price ever paid. In the same way the nine camel woman was made valuable by the price that was paid for her, her, you have been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 9.20 And that price is the most valuable payment that has ever been made for anything at any time. You have been paid with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Did you know that one drop of Jesus' blood is worth everything and anything and everything that ever has been? One drop. But yet Jesus was scourged, flogged, beaten, humiliated, stripped naked, made to carry the burden of his own cross. A crown of thorns was placed on his head and poked into his body. Spear put in his side. Blood came out. He was so disfigured, the Bible says, that you could hardly recognize that it was a human being up there. You know what? He overpaid. 
He overpaid. So do you think there's anything that you could possibly do that that wouldn't cover it? Has the devil spoken to you and told you that you're not very valuable, you're not worth it? It's a lie. You can say, hey, you don't know what was paid for me by my Redeemer. It's actually called the great exchange in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. He changed his greatness to our sinfulness. And an exchange. It was like these two people who are in the, in the alley and one says, you give me the money, I'll give you the reds. Valuable for the things. Our, our sin was traded for his righteousness. This is the gospel in a nutshell. The good news that our sins are laid on Christ and his righteousness was laid on us. The great exchange happens for us not by works, but by faith alone. When you receive Christ, your personal Savior, you instantly became enriched. You instantly became valuable. Because of the great price he paid for you, you have received forgiveness according to the riches of his grace. Number one, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Say lavished. lavished. He, that's, that's what he did. He lavished it on us in all wisdom and insight. He thought it through first, and it was worth it. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says that. And because of the great price he paid for you, you have received every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every one of them. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every one of them. All paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Overpaid for you. The enemy does everything that he can to distract you and get you not to find them and look for them. Last time I preached, I talked about Bible promises and how there are over 8,000 of those available. But most Christians can't tell you three. Why? Distractions. I told you about the man they found under a bridge who had died of exposure and starvation. And... Uh, they didn't know who he was, but they looked up his fingerprints and they were astounded to realize that his family had been looking for him for some time because he had inherited millions of dollars and he died under a bridge and expo and of exposure and starvation even though he was a wealthy man. Many Christians, many of God's kids, suffer because they don't know what God has provided for them. They, they don't apply it and they don't mix faith with it. They don't use it. What a shame. Because of the great price that he paid for you, you have been brought to the fullness of Christ. 
And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Colossians 2.10. It doesn't make any difference what, ha- what comes against you. Got a, bit of, got a bit emotional up here. It doesn't make any difference what the enemy throws at you or what he tells you or what comes at you. God has brought his fullness into your life. Everything that you need. Because of the great price that he paid for you, according to his riches and glory, all your needs are supplied. How many of you have needs? We all do, don't we? But guess what? God has already supplied those. You can say, well, I I don't have it. Well, you probably do, but you don't know it. It, It's kind of, uh, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, how by Christ Jesus. You know what, what this verse is saying? Several things. First of all, and my God, is he your God? Yes or no? All right, so this applies to you. And my God, what shall? Does it say sometimes, maybe, could be? It says shall, doesn't it? I mean, I looked that up in Greek, and you know what shell means? It means shell. <laughs> and my God shall, what? Supply. God is the supplier. Shall supply what? All your needs. How many of you, again, can I see your hands, and you said you have needs? You can put that need in that place where it says all needs. You can say, and my God supply all your Blank. Think about what that is. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How does he measure this? It's according to his riches in glory. His riches in glory. Not according to the prime lending rate. Not according to the circumstances of COVID or anything else that comes and attacks you, but according, or, or whatever it is, but according to his riches in glory. You know, if you read about heaven, you know, and glory, and you see what's up there and what he's measuring by, gold streets, walls made out of precious jewels and everything you can't even imagine what they are. I mean, all that stuff up there, that's, that's his measurement on how he supplies you. Not according to what you have in the bank or don't have in the bank or any of that stuff. And then the last part of this verse, his riches and glory, how? In Christ Jesus. It all comes through Jesus. Through Jesus, every one of them. In fact, it says in Second uh, Corinthians one twenty, it says, "No matter how many promises there are, they are all yes and amen." Through Jesus, they're all pre-approved. You just need to find them, apply them, mix faith with them, and they'll work for you. And because of the great price He paid for you to obtain an inheritance, which is you have a great inheritance to an. You, Look what's coming. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will, be, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. One of these days, everybody in here has an expiration date and we're going to go. We're going to go. And guess where we're going? We have it all paid for by Jesus. It's reserved for us. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. And it's waiting and it's reserved for you. It's got your name on it. If your name is written on the book, Lamb's Book of Life. And because of the great price he paid for you and your great value, 
Open your eyes to see what it means to you and your calling. Yes, your calling. You will say, what do you mean my calling? Did you know that you've been called? Uh, the Bible, you say, well, I, no, I'm, I'm, yes. The Bible says many are called. It's only few that are chosen. Yeah, there are some chosen like, uh, you know, like Apostle Paul was chosen, you know, to, to do what he did and to write some of the New Testament. And there John the Baptist, he was chosen to precede Jesus. You know, there are those chosen. But all the rest of us are called to serve God. Acts 17, verse 26 says, From one man God created all men, scattered throughout the entire earth, decided and determined their times and their places, the boundaries of their habitations. And he did this so that men would reach out and find him because he isn't far from any one of us. You see, there's several things you can learn from that one passage in Acts. First of all, God determined when you were going to live. He decided, determined where you were going to live, and including all your neighbors. And he did it for a reason, so that men would reach out and find him. He did it for evangelistic purposes. In other words, the people and the neighbors around you, you should be able to share with. And not only should you be able to share with them, you should share with them. And God will also have put them there to hear you share with them. That's your calling. Uh, Steve Van Vleck used to put it this way. He says, we're all like a school of, ships, a school of fish. And he says, and we're, we're responsible to do something within our school of fish. You know, the, school, the people that you are already with at work, at home, at school, you know, in your neighborhood. That's your ministry. That's your calling. And there's no exceptions. If you're not doing it, then, then God is missing out and you're missing out. It's as simple as that. And... Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Therefore, now what? Now what? We've been waiting for this. You know, a lot of times you hear messages and they don't tell you what to do with it. Hang on. Here it goes. Now that we pray that our eyes have been opened to what? Now that you understand the price paid for you by Jesus and how valuable it makes you and what blessing it brings you, what do you do with that amazing love to others around you? The answer, answer is simply this. Make your life about being God's hands and feet in the world he's placed you in. By doing what? Acts of kindness all the time. Acts of kindness all the, all the time and giving what? God the glory for it. It's as simple as that. You do acts of kindness in your neighborhood. You do acts of kindness at business. Do they deserve it? Maybe not, but you do it anyway. And they say, why do you do this? Well, it's Jesus. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4.10. Isn't that a simple exhortation? Show acts of kindness by being tender-hearted and forgiving one another. That's where it begins. Forgive people around you, whether they deserve it or not, especially if they don't deserve it, forgive them. Ephesians 4.32 says, be, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Simple. And then Matthew 8.21.22 says, show acts of kindness by forgiving many times. You can say, but I already forgave him a couple of times. 
Then Peter came up and said to him, which is Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? That was the amount that uh, given by the Jewish law, forgive seven times. And so he thought he'd get off the hook. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. 77 times. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of forgiveness. Show acts of kindness by praying for others. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Some people are having problems with healing. Well, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous person, a, a person availeth much. James 5.16 Show acts of kindness through generosity. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 9.19.17 Give to the poor. Be generous. Give, be generous at all times. Show acts of kindness by giving encouragement. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Everybody needs to be encouraged. Look around you and see who needs some encouragement. Might be a neighbor, might be a friend, might be somebody else. Say a kind word to them. Therefore, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Did you get the message today? You're valuable. You're paid for with a price, which was priceless, actually. You were paid for with that. You are valuable. God loves you. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love. You loved us when we were sinners, hopeless and condemned. You entered Jerusalem with a cheerful heart, knowing what was ahead of you for our sake. On this Palm Sunday, we celebrate your love, your, hum- your humility, and your selflessness. We magnify your name, and our hearts are filled with gratitude for all you have done for us. Hosanna! Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Amen.